From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm April Leslie. And I'm MC Tilton. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This week, we'll explain how the new campus-wide tobacco-free policy is affecting local businesses. We'll take a look at contradancing and its cultural legacy in Appalachia. But first, Ohio University was recently named a top party school by Playboy magazine. We'll look at OU's past party culture and how the media views it today. How did you wind up at Ohio University? Why did you come here? None of them, and it could be just because they don't want to get in trouble with me, but I've not had one say. It was, you know, a really good party school, and I wanted to be here because it's a lot of fun and fascinating. They No, they talk about Scripps College. They talk about the College of Business. They talk about, you know, I want to be a nurse. Those stories and more are coming up on The Outlet. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Outlet. Once again, Ohio University has been named the number one party school in the country. WOUB's Liam Niemeyer explores OU's party culture through the years. It's Friday night on Mill Street in Athens, and there are dozens of Ohio University students walking up and down the street, doing one of the things college students do best, party. Every weekend, hundreds of Ohio students come and go from house parties around campus or flock to the more than two dozen bars in uptown Athens. The small town atmosphere, combined with a high concentration of bars and annual block parties known as Fest, have earned OU a reputation as a party school. Recently, Playboy magazine ranked OU the number one party school this year, and since 2006, Princeton Review has ranked OU in the top 20 for partying. But what some people might know is that this party reputation goes back to over a century ago. If you ask me, I would say that OU's party reputation began in the 1890s. Betty Hollow is the author of OU's Bicentennial Heritage Book, covering 200 years of OU's history. She says that OU has had a party culture for a long time, even though the definition of a party has changed. There were three fraternities. There were women on the campus for the first time in 1868, and the fact that women came made it much more fun and there were more things to do. So the three fraternities began to have these grand banquets and parties and dancing. Hall says that besides the dates and date parties that were hosted because women were now on campus, a favor for couples was to take a stroll around the Athens Lunatic Asylum. Most OU students today probably wouldn't consider banquets and dances to be parties, but up until the 1960s, that was OU students' go-to entertainment. At least it was for Joanne Prisley, a 1953 grad of OU who today lives on Grosvenor Street in Athens. Sitting on her wooden table is a thick book of records, papers, and documents all about Athens' past. She's definitely a history buff. Prisley says that the parties during her time as an undergrad were hosted mostly by the fraternities. Then on Saturday, every fraternity had some kind of a party in their house. There was a house mother there, and there was no drinking. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't drink. They used to hide it in their rooms, some of them. A place, though, that people didn't have to hide their alcohol is on the bars of Court Street. Persley says the Court Street of today wasn't the Court Street of the past. She took a record of the businesses of Uptown Athens in 1953 and again in 1983. Over three decades, a lot changed. The J-Bar on South Court Street used to be a grocery store. The Crystal Bar was Shine's Ohio Theater, then one of the main movie theaters in town. And Jackie's Pub on West Union Street was once home to three other bars, the Wonder Bar, Geminots, and The Graduate. 
In that time frame, OU's The Halloween Bonk Party found its way onto Anthem streets when Carol Carter, the dean of students in the early 70s, wanted to stop the clashes between police and students around Halloween time. In, let's say, 1975, a few students did some Halloween stuff on, on Court Street, and Carol Carter, who was the dean of students and later the vice president for something or another, got the idea that OU should sponsor a Halloween party. And so she made cake for 2,000 or so students in Baker Center, which was, is now Scripps. According to archived articles from this OU student newspaper, The Post, the first Halloween party in October of 1976 got messy. As the university-sponsored block party was winding down on East Union Street, OU students spilled into Court Street. At least one mattress was set on fire, countless balls and cans were thrown from balconies, and people cheered on streakers as they ran along the street. Hollow points out that OU's past party culture, including media coverage of events such as the Halloween block party, could explain why OU is considered a party school according to the media. Playboy magazine does cite the Halloween bash, among other events like fest season, as a major reason for OU's number one ranking. Other publications, too, have different ways of judging OU and its party reputation. David Soto, director of content development at Princeton Review, says that four topics account for party school rankings when surveying college students. Popularity of beer, alcohol and drugs, fraternities and sororities, and the amount of studying done on campus. He explained that Princeton Review uses data from the past three years of surveys to create its yearly party school rankings. 136,000 students were surveyed this year alone. A aggregate score is created from the results of the opinion-based questions that are used to rank schools against each other. He says in response to the aggregate score that results in the party school rankings, some schools react with policy changes to suppress said reputation. Anecdotally, what, what we've heard from, uh, from folks is that administrators actually, after seeing placement on a certain list, uh, might try and curb some you know, certain behaviors on campus. Uh, so we, we do think that sometimes that the, the rankings, whether good or bad, can be used as instruments of change on, on campus. With party culture that has been rooted in Athens for so long, OU has put in place some measures to reduce it. OU freshmen and transfer students are required to take an online course, Alcohol EDU, which warns about the dangers of binge drinking and drugs. When OU was ranked number one by the Princeton Review in 2012, President Roderick McDavis stated the ranking doesn't match the overall experience at the university. Director of OU Community Standards Martha Compton also says that while party culture does exist at OU, it doesn't represent the main reason why students choose to go to OU. How did you wind up at Ohio University? Why did you come here? None of them, and it could be just because they don't want to get in trouble with me, but I've not had one say. It was, you know, a really good party school, and I wanted to be here because it's a lot of fun and the fast. And they No, they talk about... Scripps College. They talk about the College of Business. They talk about, you know, I want to be a nurse. When asked to Mill Street, OU sophomore Brendan Schamleffel related with that message. Okay, I came for the education. I'm pre-med. The OU has a med school. So uh, I knew that the pre-med, the pre-med, uh, the courses, they were really well developed. So I know that's why I came here. But I also knew about the party, the party, uh, the party school reputation. But I came more and more for the education. Our party, the party school part is, you know, is a good addition to that. OU's Halloween block party is set for October 31st this year, coincidentally falling on actual Halloween for the first time in six years. The partygoers and the media will be ready to see what OU's party reputation has in store. For WEB News, I'm Lee Meemar.
On August 1, 2015, Ohio University joined more than 20 other college campuses throughout Ohio in becoming tobacco-free. Yet more than two months into the initiative, students are still lighting up. WOUB's Lily Bradley reports. On August 1, 2015, Ohio University joined more than 20 other college campuses throughout Ohio, officially becoming a tobacco-free campus. Yet more than two months into the tobacco-free initiative, students are still lighting up, and local businesses say the ban has had zero impact on tobacco sales. Uh, in the last month with the smoking ban and the effort to stop people from smoking, I haven't seen a whole lot of a difference in the decrease in sales. Still been very consistent. Kids come in in between classes, they'll buy a pack of cigarettes or a can of snuff. Um, every day it's pretty consistent though. Consistent sales that include an average price of more than six bucks per pack, which tends to add up pretty quick. Employees at the Union Street Market say they sell more than several hundred dollars worth of cigarettes on a daily basis. But the ban isn't limited to just cigarettes. It also includes electronic cigarettes, cigars, cigarellos, hookah smoke products, and oral tobacco. It's important to note that the initiative does not require any individual to completely stop using tobacco products. Instead, the use of any tobacco product on campus is prohibited. AJ Quo is a junior at Ohio University and has been smoking for six years. He says he's not planning on quitting anytime soon. The smoking rule in this school is really stupid to me, or to any smokers really, because first of all, we're adults, we're 18, we're allowed to. The policies run on a community-wide accountability standard, meaning each member of the university is responsible for maintaining the initiative. So, for example, if you see another individual who's using tobacco products, it's your responsibility to respectfully remind them of the ban. The university has no formal consequences set in place. Instead, they view the community-wide accountability standard as an educational initiative, promoting a change in the culture on campus. Local businesses say they don't expect to change anytime soon as a result of the ban. For WUB News, I'm Lily Bradley. Contradancing is a long-standing American folk tradition dating back to the 1700s. In Athens, the Southeastern Ohio Traditional Dance Society preserves the cultural practice every month at Arts West. WOUB's Jeremy Ludeman participated in last month's dance and has this report. The sound of a Celtic band practicing greets me as I enter Arts West for the monthly contradance. Members of the Southeastern Ohio Traditional Dance Society are already at work, getting the place all ready to host the evening soiree. Adrian Molenkamp is one of the organizers responsible for putting on the event. As the band tunes their instruments, she tells me about the centuries-old tradition. A lot of people, if you're watching, are going to look and think it looks a little bit like square dancing, um, because you do some things like a do-si-do that everybody remembers from elementary school. But it's, it's different in that we have long lines of dancers who are, um, a couple interacts with another couple and then they move and they interact with everybody else in that line of dancers. And do you know anything about the origins of contra dance? Sure. Um, it comes out of folk dances brought to the United States from all over Europe, England, Ireland, France. Particularly in New England, it evolved into the form of that we now call contra dancing. The dances also feature live music and a caller who announces the various folk dances and also gives a beginner's lesson prior to the dance. Tonight's caller is Frank Bushelman, a nine-year veteran of the contra dancing scene from Cincinnati. 
He takes us through one of the evening's dances and how the music is timed. This first dance here, this is called Monday Night in Ballard. Um, so I have the name up the top and the formation that we do, which, uh, you know, there's certain formations, mostly it's um, your group of four as you move on to the next group. So with the A part, I've got neighbor balance and swing where they'll face their neighbor, balance and swing their neighbor, and that lasts for 16 counts. And then they'll face across the set for long lines. And the entire group takes hands in long lines and sort of this nice community build as everybody's connected in a long line. And you go forward and back. And then out of that, that one's eight counts. And then out of that, ladies, Alaman right once and a half for another eight counts to face their partner. Now, if all the details sound a little confusing, Adrian says newcomers to contradancing like me shouldn't be worried. Nobody has to have any experience or knowledge to come dance with us. We expect people to come in who maybe have done other dances, but also maybe have never danced before. And really, if you can walk and you can figure out your right and your left, you can contradance. Although I can have two left feet at times, I'm ready for the beginner's lesson. We start out by going in circles and then forming a star. Young and old, we come together to learn the steps. Thankfully, the members of the Contradancing Society are there to help. Meeting new people is a major part of the contradancing experience and the community nature of the practice. And so is learning how to follow the steps. After we have an idea of the steps, it's time to add the music, which quickens the pace of the activity. Here we go. Uh, you get confused quickly, I swear. Okay, there we go. There you go. Sometimes you have to laugh when you make mistakes and take a breather if you get dizzy, but at the end, the fun is being out there and trying. And you can try your hand at contradancing this Friday night at Arts West on West 8th Street in Athens. Kate Power will call the dances and the Boys of the Hawk will provide the music. The beginner's lesson starts at 7.30 and the program begins at 8. Admission is $7 for adults and $3 for students. You don't need experience or a dance partner to participate. I'm Jeremy Ludeman reporting for WOUB News. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced and hosted each week by me, April Leslie. My co-host today is MC Tilton. We're edited by Atish Baidya, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is written and performed by Ryan Gabus. Subscribe to the outlet on iTunes or find us online at woub.org. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening.